This episode is sponsored by Macmillan Audio. One of my goals for this year is to spend less time binge watching and more time binge reading. For that, I need gripping audiobooks like Exiles by Jane Harper, a captivating mystery about a missing mother set in a small town deep in Southern Australian wine country. The audiobook is read by Australian narrator Steve Shanahan, who really makes it feel like you've traveled across the globe. Start listening to Exiles by best-selling author Jane Harper now, wherever audiobooks are sold. Hello and welcome to A Bookish Home. I'm your host, librarian and writer Laura Zaro-Kopinski, and today Lynn Reeves is on the podcast to discuss Dark Rivers to Cross, an emotionally charged thriller that explores long-buried family secrets and the deadly reckoning that follows their explosive reveal. And if you are looking for a book that's going to keep you up late binge reading, this is definitely it. Um, I just thought this book was completely um, addictive, and I'm really looking forward to talking with Lynn about it. A little more um, about Lynn. She's an internationally recognized family counselor and novelist. Her short fiction essays and articles have appeared in Parents, Psychology Today, Brain Child, and more. She regularly appears as a media expert to discuss contemporary family life and preventative mental health. Lynn Reeves, welcome to A Bookish Home, and congratulations on Dark Rivers to Cross. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. Looking forward to chatting. Yes. Can you tell listeners a bit about the premise for this new novel? Sure. Uh, Dark Rivers to Cross is a really sort of turbulent read. It is set in the Maine woods along the Penobscot River, and it opens with a woman on the run. And we don't know why she's on the run, but we will soon find out that she is keeping secrets from her now adult sons. And one of them decides it's time to find out what she is keeping from them. The tension in this book is so high and you just can't stop turning the pages quicker and quicker, um, wanting to know what's going to happen. And I know that, you know, you use some of your counseling background and I, I was curious if that is sort of part of the inspiration or maybe what was kind of like the first nugget for this book? Well, you know, I think it's everything is said in that dedication, which is that the book is for women torn between impossible choices. And I think that what I hear a lot of in my counseling experience is that there are certain dilemmas in family life that do not have a clear cut or simple answer. And that frankly, it takes courage to do anything in the face Mm -hmm. of some of the trauma experiences that women have, that children experience. And so that really comes to play in this story. It's one woman's story but there is, I think, a lot of universality to that, to being torn about telling or not telling. And, you know, I thought the setting in Maine was such a, it, one of those settings where it's almost a character itself. And I wondered, is that where you had pictured her going to the whole time? And I guess sort of how did you go about capturing that? So I always knew that it needed to be there. And I'll say this as a writer, uh, story ideas come to me in particular in snippets. So I always knew that I needed to tell a story in the Maine wilderness. uh, And that is because uh, I live in Massachusetts. Maine's not far away. We spend a few weeks a year in the summer there with our family. And so it's a landscape that I love and it's a landscape that 
uh, is at times remote and off the grid. And I just knew that it needed to be examined in a story. But when I realized that this character, Lena, would be on the run and that everything about her life would test her strength as a person, as a mother, as a woman, then I knew it had to be there, right? Because the setting aligns with her struggle in such a powerful way. And since this story is also about inherited trauma and it's about nature and nurture and what most determines the behavioral choices we make, I knew that nature and nurture, you know, literally and figuratively had to be in play in the story. And since you had gone to Maine a lot, and I'm also in Massachusetts, so I, you know, have spent some time in Maine, but I'm wondering, were you able to just sort of call that up in your mind as you wrote, or did you have to take sort of specific research trips to really, you know, take a ton of photographs and really think about like the sensory details. I'm curious sort of what your process was like. It was really all of that. Um, I was also hugely inspired by Thoreau's Maine Woods. He wrote a book about it (laughs) and, um, and it's beautiful in the sense that, you know, it's Thoreau. So he's really examining nature and what it means to us literally and figuratively. I did a ton of research on the Baxter State Park area, Katahdin, where Katahdin is. Uh, I, I've gone there before. I went there again. Uh, I've looked at a lot of photographs. There's a really lovely uh, book of photos of Maine. I have it right here. Uh, pull it out. It's called Thoreau's Maine Woods, and the photographs are by Dan Tobin. And oh. so... So I love, you know, sort of using visual and other writing inspiration in addition to exploring the place itself. Uh, And like I said, it really needed to be part of this story, the whole testing your characters and putting them in difficult situations and finding out how they will get themselves out of it was, you know, a thousand percent at play in this story. Well, and and that environment is so different from sort of the flashbacks we're getting when she's in New York. And that sort of makes me wonder too, did you have that structure in mind right away in terms of telling her story? I didn't settle on that structure until literally until my deadline was upon me and I could no longer uh, play around with it. But what I did know from the very beginning was that I was going to attempt to construct the novel as if it were a river. So I really wanted the reader, whether they could recognize that I had done it or not, to experience the novel as if they were kind of in turbulent whitewater. And there would be also times where the current would slow and there would be these moments of breath for the reader. Uh, But then they would want to sort of, you know, metaphorically get back in that kayak and, and see where it was going to go. And so, of course, that is a ambitious and kind of at times I felt silly idea because it was hard to do. Uh, but, you know, eventually I feel like I got there, uh, but it meant pulling it apart and putting it back together a lot because the flashbacks come out of order like memories would. We don't, as human beings, remember things in chronological order, we remember them as we're triggered. And so I needed to have, you know, sort of experiences that Lena had when she was dating, when she was married, when she was, 
you know, spending time with friends. I needed everything to come out of order so that it would, you would hit the climax right at the best possible moment. And that was tricky to do. That's so interesting. And it's one of those things where I think you probably did that so well and it felt so authentic that I didn't realize you were doing it (laughs) that way, which is probably, you know, when the author's doing it the best. Um, And I love the idea of having kind of an image in mind for the overall book of like what you want the reader experience to be. I think that's so interesting. Um, I, I wonder too, and it's hard to talk about this book in a way without giving, I don't want to give anything away, but I wonder there were so many times where um, I was surprised or it took a twist that I didn't expect. And I wondered if you sort of, um, had planned those all out and you knew what was coming as the writer or if you were kind of surprised along with us at all? You know, my, my process is that I do always kind of force myself to know the beginning and the end before I start a project. And that's because I I'm kind of efficient in all areas of my life and I wouldn't want to write a hundred pages off in a direction in which that's the wrong direction. So I definitely always know the beginning and the end of my stories. Now that I've said that, of course, I'm going to jinx myself, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but I do always know the beginning and the end so far. And then my discovery, my process of being surprised happens in trying to get from the beginning to the end. So the lovely part of the experience of writing for me is that I am surprised along the way. And when I hit those moments of inevitability or things that are authentically meant to be there, I feel it in my gut. So if I'm, if I'm trying to attach plot, if I, if I do things like, oh, well, I could make this happen or I could make that happen, typically I can tell when that feels contrived or it's not right for the story because it doesn't, it doesn't sing or it doesn't light up to me. Um, Mm -hmm. But when I've hit something, when I'm writing and I discover a surprise or a twist or a turn, it's almost like I know it viscerally. That's so interesting. And, you know, I would imagine that as you're kind of going along, figuring out what your characters want or maybe how conflicts are going to play out, I would imagine that your counseling background helps with that. Could you talk about that a little bit in terms of like your character development? Yes. um, That's a super important part of writing for me is to get the character piece right. Um, I think that if I I wrote an article about this, an essay uh, at one point about I'm not a big fan of likability as a, as a way to measure characters success on the page. Um, For me, it's whether or not, the characters evoke any emotion in the reader, even if that emotion is negative. Um, so for example, if you, if you look at Lena and you say, Oh, it made me so mad when she did this, or I can't believe she did that, or I would never do that. Or why did she do that? I'm, I'm at least feeling like there's something about what she's done that is making you feel something. And I would much rather that than a reader say, I actually didn't remember that character or I don't, I couldn't see that character in my mind's eye or um, everything that character did was predictable. 
you know, that's not what I'm after because in, in my counseling practice, what I've come to, you know, enjoy and appreciate over the years that I've been doing it is that uh, people are uniquely themselves. People are very complicated. Uh, people have very unique and personal motives for the things that they do. And that doesn't always equal admirable behavior. It doesn't always mean that people are doing the quote right thing if there is such a right thing. Uh, so in this story, Lena makes a lot of choices that you might appreciate or you might reject what she's chosen to do. Uh, but at the very least, I want you to feel something for her and for this, her sons. Um, Luke and Jonah are very different characters and they make very different choices. And yet they, they feel like real people to me. And, you know, obviously I'm the writer and I've spent a lot of time with them, but um, they really feel very real, like real people who would do real things like the things they do. They feel very real. And it's interesting as you're talking, I hadn't thought about that before that it's that I think as I'm reading it, it is sort of having those really strong reactions to characters and, and feeling so strongly in addition to kind of the, twists and turns of the unpredictable plot, all of that is what's really pulling you along because it's not that, you know, I'm, I want to be best friends with one of the, the characters, but I'm just feeling so strongly about, about them and their choices and invested. Yes. One of the things that I would imagine would be difficult is trying both in the flashbacks and as Lena's trying to start over, trying to portray domestic violence and abuse. Did you kind of worry about maybe getting that right? It's such a difficult topic to be thinking about and writing about if, if that felt tough to you as, as the writer. Yes, I actually had a lot of uh, worries over it. Uh, not only writing about it, but then getting it right as you as you suggest. And I think what I, I had a lot of things that I didn't want to do. What I didn't want to do is I didn't want to sensationalize it or dramatize it in a way that was uh, aiming to grab the reader's attention and use it as a device. And I didn't want it to be gratuitous. I didn't feel the need to put a lot of it on the page, so to speak, on stage. In fact, I wrote some of the more difficult scenes in second person so that it felt a little bit, it, it still felt intimate, but it felt like there was a remove or almost as if there was, you know, some smoke or fog over the experience because it wasn't my intention to just go at it, you know, head on. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not someone that likes to read or watch a lot of sort of sensationalized or gratuitous violence. I don't appreciate that. So everything you do, in my opinion, is in service of the story. And, and what was in service in the story for me was to make sure that the reader got to experience what came after as opposed to what happened during. And so what came after for Lena were a lot of decisions that she made based on it, right? And the decisions that she made for her children based on it. So the book, in my opinion, is much more about the aftermath. Of, of violence in families, as opposed to, you know, lingering on the actual events. I think that makes 
a lot of sense. And I think that's probably why I'm the same way. I, I, I think I would have a hard time reading a book that lingered too long in it. And I think it's, it's handled really well. And I, I do really like getting to see, you know, how this family tries to move forward and um, the choices she makes and everything. Well, I'm curious, you know, I always love hearing kind of how people came to writing and maybe the path toward getting published. Could you take us back there a little bit about how you got started? Sure. Uh, well, my my coming to creative writing was, uh, you know, it took a while. <laughs> That's not where I started. Uh, but I've always been a storyteller. So I was a theater person in high school, college and beyond. And I had that creative pursuit for quite some time. And I really love storytelling. Uh, people who know me would say I'm I'm kind of theatrical as a human being. <laughs> so <laughs> storytelling is in my genes. My grandmother was a hilarious storyteller. Uh, and, uh, and, and people referred to her as a character. So you can get the, the gist there. Uh, but I didn't come to creative writing until after I was sort of solidly in my uh, mental health profession. So I went to nursing school. I went back to school to get degrees in education and counseling. I've done a lot of work in the United States and abroad on preventive mental health. And I wrote a lot in the nonfiction space. So I had a couple of books out in nonfiction. Uh, I wrote a lot of essays and articles. But that creative part of me, the person who was the storyteller, really missed a creative pursuit. So I started writing a novel when I was 40. And I fell in love with it. And I had an agent at the time that was representing my nonfiction. And I showed it to her and I said, you know, am I crazy that this is anything? Uh, and she said, no, you're not crazy. And she sold it. So uh, oh. it's, it's um, Dark Rivers to Cross is my fifth novel. So, so it's definitely where my heart is. I love all of my work. All of my work is meaningful to me. But writing, creative writing, writing short stories, writing novels, that's that's where I feel like I'm at home. It sounds like such a rich professional life and very full. And I did want to mention too, I wondered if you could talk about a little bit sort of the promotion side of things. And you seem like a bit of a master of sort of getting that media coverage and and things. And I I did go to a, a great session of yours a few years back at um, Grub Street's Muse in the Marketplace conference where you talked a little bit about pitching yourself to different outlets and how how all that works. And I would imagine there might be some writers listening with books that that would maybe love to hear a few of your tips. Sure. Well, I think media getting media coverage is all about being authentic. And and even though that sounds kind of a buzz a buzzword type of thing, um, it's really important that when you're trying to present something, you're not saying, hi, you know, I'm a writer. I'm really great. And I have a book because that's about you. When you're promoting your work, what you're trying to do. And I think this is where I hopefully experience success is I'm trying to give something to the reader or the audience or the listening, you know, public, uh, if it's radio or podcasts or whatever. So it's, it's not for me to say, look at me, look at me. It's for me to say, here's what this is. Here's how this can help you. In my fiction, I'm fortunate that it's, it's social issue driven. 
So there is actually a lot that I am trying to offer people. I'm saying, hey, let's look at in Dark Rivers to Cross, for example, the role of inherited trauma on parenting, right? Does a parent ever have a right to keep trauma stories from their children? Uh, Let's talk about that. Uh, Let's talk about the idea that even if you don't tell your children their trauma story, they still feel it in their body, but it's unexplained. So let's talk about that, right? So now people want to talk about that and then also know about the book and then also want to read the book. So what I tell writers is that you want to examine your work, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, from the degree or from the point of view of what does this have to offer the reader, the listener, the viewer? And then how will I let them know that there's a conversation I would like to have with them? And when you present it that way and you engage people in a true and rich and deep conversation, um, the book is right there. It's waiting. And if you've piqued their interest, they'll want it, right? Uh, Which is a very different way of going about publicity than just, you know, here's my book, here's my book, here's my book. Yeah, you're doing sort of the the legwork and thinking about all the different angles and yeah I thought I just thought that was really helpful and kind of exercises around what are all the different ways you could approach talking about your book or different outlets that could be a fit that maybe you hadn't thought of I just think that side of it's interesting and you know I'm wondering too your you know promoting the book now and it um, has only been out for maybe a month or so. Do you find it difficult to kind of balance that promotion, like wearing that promotion hat with like fitting in the time for your writing? Kind of how do you find a balance? You know, other every writer is different. But for me, I can't do both of them at the same time. They take a very different type of energy. So to promote a work means that I'm, you know, chatting with lovely folks like you and I'm digging into the heart of what dark rivers to cross is about. I'm thinking about it. I'm writing essays about it. I'm traveling. I'm, you know, eating, sleeping differently. All of those things are a different sort of headspace, physical energy level. Uh, So I actually cannot generate new material under those circumstances. However, I don't like being away from a story that I'm working on for too long So what I do is I do sort of different tasks. I don't generate new pages, but I might be like right now I'm researching uh, a novel. Uh, I'm reading other books that might inform the way I tackle the novel. I'm sketching characters. I'm thinking about the ways they look and their motivations and their dilemmas, but I'm not generating any pages. Uh, And yet I'm still feeling connected to that project. And so that's how I have to do it. Now, once the promotion for Dark Rivers to Cross quiets down a little bit and it's sort of, there are a few things on the calendar each week, but it's not as consuming, then I will get back to generating pages. And and that's really how I need to do it. Uh, But I know everyone's different. Yeah, Yeah. it's just interesting to hear. And I like that idea of sort of staying, keeping that connection up to your work, but um maybe that can be in a different way. Right. Well, um, one of the other things I wondered is kind of how writing community and um, other writers have played a role um, in, in your career. Are there any particular writers or authors that have had a big 
impact on you? And are you someone who um, like has a writing partner or a writing group, anything like that? So other writers have played a huge role in, in my development as a writer and as my, you know, my current career as a writer. Uh, and, and I think that again, comes back to that theater background. So in theater, your community effort and your ability to find a character on stage uh, has everything to do with the other actors, with the director, with the stage crew, right? It's a collective community creative experience. Whereas writing, you know, generating those pages, it's, it's, it's just you, right? And, and hopefully some, some inspiration. Uh, so for me, I needed to find that way to connect with other writers. And so, and I knew early on, since I did not go to school for creative writing, and I was going to be figuring this out on my own, I knew that I couldn't do it alone without a bit of a jump start. So I started my novel writing uh, career in a writer's group. And I was in that writer's group for, I'm going to say maybe two or three years. And from there, I became uh, very involved in Grub Street. Uh, both taking classes and then ultimately teaching classes there. And then the program that you mentioned, I created with Katrin Schumann called Launch Lab. And it was, uh, it ran for about four years and it was helping writers figure out that authentic promotion experience. So I've always been connected. I have a lot of writer friends now that I connect with. I'm in a, an online group that we connect, you know, on a daily basis, uh, just, you know, as, as people navigating the world as writers. Uh, so they're important to me, my writer friends, my writer associations, I read widely. So, so the work of other writers is really important to me. Uh, so it, it informs how I see what I do and whether or not I'm willing to take risks uh, and whether or not, you know, my work meets my own goals because those writer friends of mine have also become trusted readers who will tell me the truth if something is or isn't working. Especially when you tell them you're writing a novel that resembles a river, they're going to tell you whether or not you, you, you nailed it or not. They'll be honest. Um, well, that was going to be um, my other question. If there are any um, great books you've read lately that you'd want to recommend to listeners. Oh yes. There are so many, uh, but I'll share two. One is called sorrow and bliss by Meg Mason. And it is a beautiful book about mental health and a, the impact on marriage. Uh, it's really a beautiful, beautiful book, Sorrow and Bliss. And I recommended it to a bunch of different people. My daughter's a big reader and she and I share, we just toss books back and forth to one another all the time. And uh, I, I told her, I said, you've got to read this. And at the very end, tell me what you think. And she had the same experience that I did, which was you really, really sad to leave the characters because you would love them so much. Oh, so that's always my favorite reaction. Yeah, <laughs> so that, so that is a really wonderful book. And it's, you know, I'm not going to say it's all, all uh, uh, light and, and cheery because it, it, it actually is pretty deep, um, but beautiful. And then another one, which is um, a collection of short stories by Morgan Talty called Night of the Living Res. And it's a collection of short stories. It's also set in the Penobscot uh, area of Maine. And he is uh, native. And he's, ex he's exploring in these short stories the native Penobscot experience in Maine in the present day. 
and each of the stories, though discrete, are also linked. So you will get really connected to these characters as well. Oh, I'll definitely link to to both of those. They both sound really good. And I know you mentioned that you're kind of staying connected to your work in progress. Are you able to talk a little bit more about kind of when when you think that might be coming and a little bit more about it or is it still too early? Um, no, I don't mind. Um, I, I'm actually, my process involves working on two at a time and, I, and, it, and oh. it doesn't, it doesn't sound as, it sounds ambitious, but it's really not. Um, one, my process is usually to have a novel in production. So that would be Dark Rivers to Cross in production and publish that I'm promoting. And then it's a novel that I'm closing in on a draft. And then it's a novel that's an idea. So right now, the novel that is closing in on a draft is a story about the ways in which women come to motherhood. And of course, there's lots of twists and turns and a domestic suspense story wrapped up in that. And then I have an idea for a novel that I'm that I'm doing some research on um, that is way too early to talk about, but it will be set partially in the United States and partially in Ireland, which is my ancestry. Oh, so. oh, those both sound. I'll I'll be excited to to get to read those when they come out. Um, thank you, thank you. Yeah, well, Lynn, I hope that listeners go pick up Dark Rivers to Cross at their local bookstore. Um, go get it from the library. Uh, I think it would be a great book to sort of stay up, stay up late reading, flipping those pages. Especially if someone's maybe in a reading rut. I think the different twists and turns and everything will really get people back in a reading groove. And um, just thank you so much for coming on and best of luck with the rest of the promotion. Thank you so much. This is my pleasure. For links to all of the books mentioned on this week's episode, you can visit abookishhome.com. If you are enjoying the show, I hope you take a minute to subscribe and also rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would encourage you to share it on social media to help other people find the show and this episode. Thanks for listening, everyone, and happy reading.